Welcome, you're listening to I'll Pack My Bags. I'm your host, Erin. Today on the pod, we are chatting with Britt Casco, who is the founder of the women's travel company, Origin Travels. Hey, Britt. Hey there. So we are going to chat about group travel and self-care, as well as self-empowerment um, through the lens of traveling. Okay, but Erin, wait, what's on your mind lately? Uh, today's actually International Women's Day. Yay! So happy International Women's Day, my fellow women. Um, so I was actually having this debate at work about the importance of International Women's Day. Like, what is the point? Is it to celebrate women and be like high-fiving each other? Is it a day on which we should be like reflecting on women's issues? And it was a pretty hot topic. I'm curious what you guys think. I honestly think that it's, um, it's a bunch of it all because at the end of the day, it is what it means to you. And I think what's the most beautiful part about it is a lot of people share their experiences on this day and they vary so differently. So some people, you know, people talk about this really influential figure in their life, whether it be fiction or whether it be um, somebody who has passed or even one of their family members. And I think that um, it's really cool that you see the diversity in that. Yeah, totally. I think you're right in that it's definitely a day on which we should just reflect on like what it means to us personally. And this is where I like have friction with people sometimes because I have a more activist approach, I think. So I get like frustrated sometimes when people gloss it over instead of like it's great to like be celebratory and we should do that. But let's also not gloss over the fact that like women don't have equal rights. And sometimes I get nervous that the day turns into too much of like, oh, look how far we've come without looking at what's ahead of us. But yeah, it's really interesting to talk to people about how they feel about this. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking about this week. So Britt, most memorable trip you've ever been on? I'd say the most memorable trip I've recently been on was probably to Morocco, and that just has to do with the crazy diversity of microclimates Mm -hmm. and landscapes. I'm not sure if you've ever been yourself. I have. (laughs) But how crazy is it that one day you can be in the middle of Atlas Mountains and then you basically go down to a valley of a blue city and then you travel for a day and then you travel through the highest snow-capped mountains and into the desert into the same day and yeah. it's it's beautiful not only the landscapes but but also just the diversity of people there you have berber people north african arab french spanish portuguese it's really it's really a place where a lot of different um, people cultures and scenes come together to make a really cool identity yeah I love that you said Morocco because we talk about Morocco on this podcast so much. It's a very cool place. (laughs) People are people are enraptured and like captured by this country, but I get it because it is really it's incredible. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Have you been to Jordan? I haven't been to Jordan. It's very high on my list. I was actually going to make an effort to cross over into Jordan on my last trip to Israel, which was in October. Mm. But I decided, because, you know, I have a friend there who is, you know, really excited to take us around. But I decided, no, I don't have that much time. I want to go back to Jordan and do just Jordan and really give the country the time that it deserves. Yeah. Have you been? I was recently there and I mention it because... I loved Morocco and I loved Jordan for a lot of the same reasons. Really? And I found Jordan actually an easier country to travel. Interesting. Um, We had like the best experience. Every day was magic. Like just Mm -hmm. had such a good time. That's a pretty good testimonial. I might take you up on that. Yeah. 
So I know I just gave a very, very brief description of who you are, but do you want to tell us a bit more in depth about like yourself, your company, um, as well as your history and your relationship with travel? Sure. So um, I am the head adventurer at Origin Travels, um, and exploring is my passion. And I've really tried to make it central to my day-to-day for the past decade, Um, from backpacking Southeast Asia to working a myriad of roles within the world's largest adventure travel company, and then finally founding my own um, all-girl travel brand, um, Origin Travels. Um, I just really can't seem to shake the urge to experience the world and really help other people see it too. And why all girls? There's something really cool and magical and, you know, unfiltered about traveling with a group of women. Um, You know, if you don't want to shave your legs one day, (laughs) nobody's really going to care. But also we can talk about, you know, how that burrito made you feel openly. Do you know what I mean? There is that level of being unfiltered and which allows people to connect a lot more. And I feel that, you know... I'm less inclined to wear makeup, even though, you know, I have a partner myself and even if I'm not traveling with him, there's always something about, you know, having mascara on that makes me feel more presentable that I feel that I don't actually need when I'm surrounded by other like-minded women. And I feel that within this space, it really allows you to immerse yourself so much more in the places that you visit. And so this is something I really feel passionately about. And I find that when like-minded women come together, it's just, it's just so much fun. Yeah, especially traveling. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I've actually never group traveled. I have traveled like here and there with groups, mostly like meeting people in hostels that I've just like tacked on to a group of people. Um, I did one paid group tour and it was a five day tour in the Scottish Highlands. And honestly, it was pretty disappointing because like it was too much time on a bus. It just wasn't what I imagined. Like, it wasn't very intrepid. It was mostly sitting on a bus, and that really frustrated me. And I also found that the group didn't, like, meld together very well. There wasn't, it wasn't encouraged that, like, people build friendships because a lot of people came to the tour with a friend or, like, in a partnership. And so there just wasn't a lot of intermingling, and that kind of detracted from the whole experience of group travel, I Mm -hmm. found. So, yeah, that was my experience. But, like, how does Origin Travels go about this? So I would say I definitely have to agree with you. When I first started out traveling, I really wasn't a group traveler myself. Um, I didn't like those stuffy experiences, those really um, tightly um, tightly scheduled back-to-back trips, and you're off the bus, and you're on the bus, and you're following the flag, and nothing you're doing is really helping you actually see the places that you're visiting. Um, So personally, throughout my travels, I've stubbornly sought out the road less traveled, Um, And this urge was really influenced by many factors, um, including that I'm usually not tall enough to see above crowds at busy tourist sites. (laughs) And um, I was really over the glamour of all-inclusive buffets, not to mention that the resorts had a way of really isolating you from the communities and cultures um, that live on the land that we were visiting. Mm. Um, And again, that same thing goes for the stuffy bus tours, where you're kind of on the bus, off the bus at those sites, and that's all you kind of get to see. Um, And so upon this kind of desire to see more, I began to curate my travel in a way that would allow me to intimately experience his places I visited, which is probably much like what you were kind of developed in your own travel style. Um, And yeah, so then there came the day that I realized how much of my personal growth was brought on by getting off the beaten path and outside my comfort zone. And it was also the same day that my entrepreneurial journey kind of began. And 
the decision to start my own company was ignited upon realizing that um, the existing female-centric experiences in the market were pretty much catered to the interests and budgets of women 45 plus, which meant that the experiences were very much out of the budgets of young professional women and didn't allow for lo- the level of personal freedom that you know young millennial women like us like really would like mm. um, to really explore a place. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, I saw this as you know. A, uh, an issue because there was a lot of young women that I knew that were passing up travel experiences just because they had nobody to go with and yeah. an inaccessibility to what was out there. So today, Origin Travels is the first company to curate off the beaten path experiences, cater to the interests of, and budgets of self-identified millennial women, and we currently explore places like Costa Rica, Guatemala, India, and as well as the wilderness in northern Ontario. Such great destinations. And I really love that you do tour to India because that is the country that I most hear like from women when I tell them like yes I've been to India but I went with my partner which was like really nice because I felt safe because we were together um I don't know if I would do it as a solo traveler and I think like if I had come across Origin Travels and seen that you were doing that kind of tour that's what I would do because like I would want to go with other women who could relate to the experience of being in India as a woman but also like having the safety of people around you Totally. And I think that this speaks exactly to your experience of taking a tour of the area like the Scottish Highlands, which um, really might not have had that same safety issue or language barrier. Um, And I think this is where guided experiences can really come in handy because, um, you know, not to mention the fact that young professional women these days are crazy busy and don't really have that opportunity or time maybe to plan their itineraries. Mm. But also when you get there, if there is that language barrier and there is um, that safety factor that you are concerned about, this is where the value of trip, these types of guided experiences come in handy. Mm -hmm. And um, my personal approach to curating these trips is to make sure that the majority of my trips and eventually all of my trips will be led by local guides which I feel that um, really bring that extra level of authenticity um, that insider scoop into the country into the day-to-day life which I think is something that might have been missing um, when you know you're just getting on and off a bus yeah totally and that's awesome because then like when you're on the tour you have you're in a space to ask a local person the questions and like get an actual answer from someone who lives the experience of that country, which is like pretty lacking in the travel and tourism industry. So I've read a lot about how the travel industry these days has shifted to marketing travel as self-care, which makes total sense. And I actually touched on this in our episode about solo travel, but I thought it'd be interesting to delve into it a little bit more. Um, So like self-care, what is it? How would you describe it? Like, what do you think of when you think of self-care? So self-care for me, I really think the key component um, is just getting outside. Um, I chose the name Origin Travels because my intention is to help women reconnect with ourselves um, and getting back to our origins. Um, using our body in nature, you know, taking in views with our eyes instead of our phones, and really just connecting to um, that part of ourselves that is 
our essence um, outside of technology, outside of our day-to-day routines and what's expected of us. And it's really about holding your life in your hands and trusting yourself. Um, and this might not be typical of what's kind of being sold in the market to you as, you know, self-care. Mm. But I do really think that these experiences can help us develop a confidence in our bodies and in our unique minds that can help us prepare for the stressors that come later from everyday routine. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, I think that's what I feel stress ca- uh, self ca- stress care <laughs> stress care is self care yeah. um, and it's it's about learning to develop the tools within yourself to deal with stressors yeah um, because if we don't have those things then I think we're more likely inclined to maybe you know give in to these bath salts that have magical qualities and yeah. I'm sure if you use bath salts I also use bath salts yeah awesome but there's some that you pay a million dollars for and you know they claim to have magical properties and yeah. you know it's it's about really finding I think self-care is about having the ability to find that healing power within yourself too yeah totally and I also like I really um identify with what you're saying because like for me self-care I realize that like traveling is a privilege, but I have identified that as something that makes me feel relaxed and happy. It refreshes me. It helps me to deal with the stresses of everyday life. And like, that's definitely coming from a place of privilege, but I've figured this out in my life that like knowing that I will be traveling in the next few months gives me life and like helps me deal with things that are difficult. Yeah, it's totally It's kind of like a therapy for me. But I wanted to do some research to see like what people actually define self-care as. So I'm going to read some notes that I took. Um, so this is what Jordan Kisner of The New Yorker describes as self-care. So she says that self-care rose as a collective social practice in 2016, um, and it was a response to national stress levels. Um, So self-care is newer in the American lexicon than self-reliance, but both stem from puritanical values of self-improvement and self-examination. Kisner examines self-care through the lens of social media, where for some, specifically people of color and queer communities, the hashtag self-care serves as a sort of self-endorsement. It's used as a way to take up space and endorse your worthiness. I really, this was super fascinating to me because I had never thought about it in that way. That is interesting. And Kisner suggests that the irony of the online self-care movement was powered by straight, affluent white women who felt unfamiliar vulnerability in the wake of the 2016 American election. That's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Kisner is suggesting that self, the self-care movement can be a form of resistance. Um, and also argues that it offers opportunities to see and care about vulnerability that is unlike yours. That's really interesting because I also see 2016 as um, a time that's also synonymous with the emergence of the whole girl boss movement. Yes. And what's interesting about that is that, you know, as we're trying to level the playing field, as we're trying to work towards equal pay, I think there's a lot of, not I wouldn't say pressure, but there's a lot of opportunity out there for women to take hold of the reins of their life and maybe postpone traditional roles like motherhood and go for what they want, which means that, you know, because we're kind of starting from a disadvantaged place, it means a lot of work. As an entrepreneurial woman myself, I'm working like a hundred jobs. I'm basically working all the time and there Mm -hmm. is little time for, let's say, (laughs) self-care. And I think that it may, may have also emerged from this place of just having to step back and be like, you know what, taking hold of the reins of your life, you're also having to 
admit that you have to take time for yourself for yourself yeah and to relax yeah um because it can be very overpowering and very overtaking and i actually okay i wish i knew the name of the study but i read a study at one point that pointed out how like women who work full-time and are married and or have children or just like in relationships if you compare like the amount of hours devoted to work but we're not talking about like work in an office we're talking about like freelance hours work put into cleaning work put into planning like grocery shopping women still work a disproportionate amount and that means that like women yes we're taking over the workforce but we have all this added work on top of that of course women are like screaming for ways to take care of themselves because like we don't have time Uh, we literally need to like mark a point in our calendar to like remember that we're humans and we need to be relaxed sometimes. Totally. Um, yeah. So. It's funny because like I actually used to be a little judgy of self care, but in the social media realm. But now as I get older and become more busy and overwhelmed, I get it. I yeah. totally get it. I think the the space where we can maybe hold some judgment is again where we started is what does this mean does self-care mean that you can purchase self-care in Mm -hmm. that little pretty pink package with a bow on it that promises that when you apply it to your skin or when you ingest it that it's going to make you feel a million times better and you'll you know you'll be able to take on the week a little bit more Mm -hmm. um in a calmer way and um, I think it's really about bringing the conversation back to what's accessible to everybody um, and how we can take care of ourselves and how we can take care of each other and and help each other get through the hustle and bustle of the day to day yeah and I have two more points to add on to that I read I think it was a meme someone was arguing the fact that we have a hashtag for self-care points to so many issues in our workforce and like the approach to work that we have in the west Um, self-care wouldn't exist if people actually had work-life balance like it's a response to this um, overworking generally in the west specifically in cities like toronto new york and etc and even it comes down when you know when we're talking about this extra work not only is it the extra work in the present but it's the planning like i started my company at age 28 and instantly one of the factors that came into my mind was okay how many years do I have to make this work before like my baby maker starts ticking down yes. and you know I've invested my savings into this company and I have to turn it into something or else you know where am I at now like I'm going to be 30 I'm not going to have any savings I'm mm-hmm. going to just have this thing that I tried and it didn't work and how will it allow me to prepare a life for this thing that I want to bring into the world and there's so much extra stress that comes from like what might be yeah. and you know what the pressures might be in three to five years from now um and all of everybody all anybody ever tells you is just how how hard it is all the time i know so it's about that prep work it's the it's just it's the day-to-day routine but it's the mental prep for the future and it just it just doesn't end (laughs) it's crazy uh okay so i'm gonna go on a little rant about self-care too just and we've kind of touched on this but i just i really have to say this um I can totally get on board with like self-care being a good thing but on the flip side like especially what I see on Instagram it's not affordable like you're talking about these like skin skin creams yeah skin elixirs elixirs (laughs) yeah (laughs) like like those like beautiful drop bottles and like going to the spa I can't afford that like I wish I could but I can't 
And so sometimes I wonder, like, why can't self-care be... Like, to me, self-care is coming home and, like, my partner and I cooking a nice dinner together and watching Netflix and, like, cuddling. But why don't we ever frame self-care as that? Why does it always have to be this, like, fancy Instagrammable scene when really, like, self-care for me is just, like, snuggling my boyfriend or my cat? Yeah. That's, like, it. Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, I I wholeheartedly agree. And I do personally want to recognize that although I try to design budget-friendly experiences, they are still outside the realm of what's affordable for many people, which brings me back to, you know, the the concept of what I consider to be self-care, which is pretty much accessible to everybody, is that ability to get outside. Mm-hmm. Go outside and yeah. find a tree, touch it, and see how it makes you feel. And I mean, that's probably the hippiest thing I've ever said in my entire life. But actually, it's just about being tactile, touching something that's not your computer or your phone, mm-hmm. and just being outside of that digital space for a little while and seeing how it makes you feel. I think mm-hmm. that these small adjustments could really help us change our perspective. That is so true. So that's part one. Thanks for listening, guys. Tune into part two because we're going to talk about some really good stuff, including self-care, the relation between self-care and travel, accessibility to self-care and travel, and getting out into nature. See you on the flip side.